0: Minnesota.
1: So nice to be with everybody this morning. We'll get started in maybe just another minute, give folks a chance to settle, and uh, whatever you need to do to find a comfortable, stable, relatively upright sitting posture for our meditation time. take a little time and look at the community and uh people are always welcomed in the few minutes before we sit uh, put something in, into the chat just a greeting introduce yourself if you're new say where you're from for example but just if if you like that but i always mention that we have to get creative you know this new zoom world it's not going away <laughs> and uh how to feel community even when we're not in the same space together, I think, is really important. And it would take some effort, just like, you know, we've all learned how to feel, you know, hopefully, how to belong, how to be part of community when we're in person together, what feels right given our temperament, our personalities. And it's the same thing here, it's just a little weirder because it's new. And uh, But it won't help to disengage or to be grumpy about the reality of the Zoom world. You know, it has some advantages, like that we can actually be here now together, and it has some disadvantages. But for us, you know, Buddhism generally is a very pragmatic practice. So the interesting question is, how can we make it work as best it can work? That's what's really important. And that's also just strategically when you have your video on it's totally makes sense to me at least to some of us not to want to have our video on all the time but that doesn't mean it might not make sense to have it on briefly like at the very beginning of a program or the last two minutes of a program just to sort of say hey I'm here and I'm willing you know for you to see me because I'm here and I want to know I want everyone to know that I'm here and uh yeah these small things add up um so just keep that in mind and you know another little thing that's so sweet from some of the longer term community members or those of you who are really quick with technology you know if i mention something i notice sometimes people will put the link understanding oh maybe somebody doesn't know what that poly word is so let me put something down in the chat or Maybe people don't know how to find that book that Mark just mentioned and they'll put the link to the book. So those sorts of ways of being in this online community together, um, yeah, it makes it a much more sweet community experience that we're all sort of figuring out together. So let's go ahead. We've been learning this uh, very well-known chant from early Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism. and Sometimes it's just referred to as the Impermanence Chant. I'll go ahead and put the link, and I'll put it the same link a little bit later as more people join in. But for those of you um, who would like to chant along with me, I have you all muted, of course, but you can still chant along with me by opening up that link that I just put in. And look for that impermanence chant. We'll do it in Pali, and then we uh, traditionally do the chant three times in the Pali language, Which is that ancient language that the Buddhist teachings were recorded in, um, you know, over 2,000 years ago. And then we'll read the English together. And it's just interesting, it's not just a chant to do at a memorial service or a funeral, but really every day just to reflect. Because uh, as I'll talk about today after the sit, coming into alignment with the truth of impermanence that life is changing, is always in motion and in that way ephemeral in the sense of not solid in the way our thoughts make experience appear to be the thought of me, Mark or the thought of Minneapolis or the thought of Common Ground Meditation Center or the thought of you all these ideas, these conceptual ideas can create the appearance of solidity in a way that our experience is just not that way so part of developing wisdom which is the topic for today as we move through the ten paramis these two these ten beautiful qualities of the heart that are taught in early buddhism wisdom being the fourth after generosity uh, moral sensitivity renunciation and then the fourth is wisdom it's really realizing how wonderful (laughs) actually it works really well to live in accordance with impermanence as opposed to at war with impermanence (laughs) you know just like the beauty industry it's like the last thing we want to do is look like an older person and i mean it's such a setup because it's going to happen. <laughs> and and yet so much of our economy and so much of our psychic energy is about, you know, a sort of being at war with reality. Now, how how does that work for us? Not very well. It's, it creates a lot of suffering. So let's do this chant together. I'll go ahead and paste it again in case some of you have just come on. You can open up that link. And we'll begin our sit with this chant.
0: Ah <laughs> Nicha Wata Sankara Upadawa Yadamino Upajitua Nirushanti. Te sang upasamo suko A nicha watta sankara upadavaya wa yadamino Upajitu niruchanti Te sang upasamo suko A sankara uparava yadamino upajitva Niruchanti chanti tesang upasamo sukho
1: and now the uh, English translation all conditioned things arise and pass away understanding this deeply leads to the greatest happiness which is peace and we'll settle into our meditation time now. Making any final adjustments, doing the best we can to feel, to find a stable and relatively upright and relatively still sitting posture for the next 35 minutes or so. The sense of truly belonging right here, right now, embodied, willing to feel what we're feeling right now, right here. Not afraid to be sensitive, not afraid to be exposed to what it feels like to be sitting, soft, curious even. And it's not so much that we are looking for some answer, some conceptual answer about what's happening I mentioned this simile of the river last week for those who were here. But just notice in your own subjective actual embodied experience now, notice the similarities with a river right here. The river of sensation, for example. that the experience of sensation, the experience of physicality, is really a river, a movement of sensation. There's nothing static about it. Sometimes when we're resisting the sensations, the experience of the body can feel solid, static, But when we learn that it's okay to relax and soften and allow and trust, well then the mind, the heart, sees more clearly that embodiment is a river, a ceaselessly moving, changing river. Can we trust this river by softening a little bit more, allowing a little bit more deeply the river of this life? And in this river, we also include the more subtle river of emotional feeling in our sensitive heart So there's this whole spectrum of feeling from the more ordinary physical sensations of hardness and softness, and weight and lightness, and warmth and coolness. But there's also a river, you could say, a river of emotionality, even when. We feel numb or the feeling, the emotional feeling is nondescriptive. Well, that's a feeling that's moving like a river right through the sensitive heart, always moving. The heart, the sensitive heart is always feeling this underlying feeling. For some right now, it might be a kind of wormy anxiety. For others, it might be a lightness, a buoyancy, a happiness. But whatever that movement of feeling, feeling tone, emotionality, whatever that is, can we, in a sense, really embrace this more subtle river of our life that's right here, always moving. It's just the way that it is now. and we don't need to second-guess it, we don't need to control it or judge it. We let the body move. We let the feeling that's being felt in the heart move. And we even give permission to mental activity, thought, to mental images. We don't have to put the brakes on anything just a willingness to be sensitive, to be mindfully aware of all these rivers that together make up what we call my life, right now, right here, the movement of the heart, the movement of the mind, the movement of the body. then every once in a while, maybe quite often, because of habit, the mind might react, might get tight, fall into a habit of controlling or judging or wanting or fearing, but we'll know this because there's some suffering, there's some tightness, contraction. And the important thing here is to see these times of being tight as a teacher. Oh, this is interesting. The body, the heart, the mind's getting tight. What's happening? Can I get interested? Can I relax and be curious? And let this experience reveal itself. What's not being seen or felt here? nothing really nothing is more interesting to the heart to the wisdom in the heart than learning something new about how it is that suffering arises and how it is that suffering ceases how it is that everything gets tight and how it is that things unwind and loosen up and feel more free This is what the heart is truly interested in when we're not diluted by superficial things. So let's continue in silence and when you do get lost in thought and need to begin again, just bring up this image of a river that's right here The grosser part of the river is just the movement of physicality, and it's just more subtle movements of feeling, emotional feeling, mental activity. Can we be in the middle of the river, not being thrown off by our likes and dislikes, by fear and hope, but just let the river move and appreciate the freedom and letting the river move. So we'll continue now in silence. learning how to be right in the middle, right in the river of the present moment, sensations in motion, emotional feelings, mental activity in motion, just being curious about where we feel and find resistance and where and when we find a sense of flow and the freedom of non-resistance which just curious about that just in the most immediate and direct way moments of freedom release non-resistance and moments of tightness resistance and struggle and in this way we just become wiser about how it is that things get tight and how it is that things release, just in this simple immediate way, being curious about what's right here, how the heart is, how the heart is relating to the river of my life. the most subtle part of this way of meditating is learning to recognize the river of desire and we're finding like to stay in that flow of the river we have to feel the river of desire without being confused by it and we know we're confused by that river when we take desire personally, and then get tight, or when we think desire is bad, and get tight in that way. So desire is just another frequency of the river, wanting this, not wanting that, And we feel the river of desire, the movement of desire, desiring, without being confused? It's just nature to desire. doesn't mean we act it out, we don't believe that desire is talking, is me talking to myself. It's just that impulse in the heart to want, to not want. part of what it means to be a human being, is that there is this river of desiring, it just comes with the territory of being a human being, so we don't want to be afraid of it, we don't want to hate it, but we also don't want to be pushed around by desire, we want to understand that it's nature and not self. And how much freedom there is in understanding freedom. Oh, freedom, or the freedom of feeling desire without being governed or pushed around by it.